Hey everyone, I'm Elizabeth Ann, and I am your pop culture prophet. On this week's episode, I talk with our resident Game of Thrones expert about how Daenerys Targaryen, a character from the books and show, relates to Moses, a character in the Bible. If you are not a Game of Thrones fan, I encourage you to still listen to this podcast because we tried our best to explain everything you'll need to know to understand the comparison. If you haven't finished the show or books yet, our focus is in Season 3 and the book Storm of Swords, but don't get mad at me if there are any spoilers! Alright, here's the show. Well, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us on our second episode of Pop Culture Profit. Tonight, today, whatever time you're listening, I have a very special guest, someone who has entered in and out of my life at very random moments and then um, suddenly became my only friend at Belmont University where we went to college, my roommate for two years. We were in each other's weddings. Elizabeth Perani cook welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on your show. So this is such an here. honor. I love being called an expert at something. You definitely are an expert. So um, why don't you tell our listeners just a little about your, a little bit about yourself? So, like she said, my name is Elizabeth Cook. Um, I live in Huntsville, Alabama, which is where Elizabeth Ann and I first encountered each other a long time ago, maybe when we were about five, sometime in preschool. Yeah, um, turning up. Yep, in preschool. So I am back. Um, I am a social worker at Hospice Family Care. So um, I do a lot of work with um, older individuals in their homes. They don't normally watch Game of Thrones. Oh, they're, they're not fans? I don't think so. <laughs> we don't really talk about it too much. Um, but that is what I do, and I am, again, super happy to be on your podcast. I'm so happy you're here, too. So you are here today as our resident Game of Thrones expert. Um, and I have to ask, although I told you you are the expert, what do you think qualifies you to be the Game of Thrones expert? Well, I have seen all of the episodes of the HBO hit show mm-hmm. up until this point. I'm still getting excited about the final season. It's a little Man. bittersweet. But also I have read the first four books. There are five, I think, that are published now. I'm not sure. I think so. That's not a very good expert thing to not know about, but um, I have read the first four (laughs) books, and it's just a great show. I love the writing style. Mm -hmm. I love the way that they've translated that into a show. I think they've done a really good job with it, Um, but yeah, so I guess that's what qualifies me to be an expert. Yes, and so... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you and your husband Graham watched the show before I did, right? I think so. I know that I was late to the Game of Thrones game. Okay, I was really late to the game. Yeah, I mean, I didn't join the Game of Thrones, I think, until the first at least two or three seasons had really come out. Mm -hmm. But... Um, thankfully, we subscribe to HBO. Highly recommend. Yeah, we're not sponsored by them, but HBO, if you're listening, I would love for you to sponsor so we could watch Game of Thrones for free. That would be great. Anyway, um, can you describe to our listeners, um, I'll share mine after yours, but um, your very first experience of watching the first episode of Game of Thrones. For those of you that don't know or haven't watched the show, um, it gets a lot of criticism because it is extremely graphic, violent, and sexual, especially in the first season. 
I think it mellows out along the way. But what was it like for you? Um, or what do you remember about that first episode you watched? Well, I remember hearing, because, you know, people were talking about how much they loved the show, mm-hmm. and they were really getting into it, and they were, you know, hacking onto each other's HBO accounts so that they could watch the show. And, of course, I'm a rule follower, so I felt like I could not do that for Good. a long time. Good. So I had heard that it was really graphic, and, you know, people had all these opinions about yeah. it. And when I watched it, I was still kind of shocked Sure. Because I, you know, I felt like it was almost as if I felt like I shouldn't be watching. Mm-hmm. But as I continued through the show and you really actually get into the story of Game of Thrones and not just the graphic parts of it, mm-hmm. it all fits together. But I do remember being shocked. And then I remembered thinking this was HBO. It's what they do. Yes. I should not be surprised. Yeah, we shouldn't have been surprised with all the sex in the city that we watched in college. Another great show. You should do a podcast about that. (gasps) Yes, we should. So I was super late to the Game of Thrones game. Like I think the third or fourth season was out when I started. And I was at my cousin Matt Battle's house with my husband Keaton. And he told me that we just had to watch it. And so... We're sitting in his TV room watching the first episode on this big screen, and all I can remember is that moment after Daenerys's wedding, and I'm sitting between my cousin Matt, who is gay, and my husband, who doesn't really know my cousin Matt that well, and I'm thinking, don't act like this is weird, don't act like this is weird, just keep watching the show, it'll be over soon. And then it kept going, and I got hooked. And I was like, we have to watch the second episode. I don't care who's naked. Um, it, it's so captivating, and finding out everyone's redeeming qualities and finding out who's playing the game and finding out who's related to who. There's so many levels that I think are really interesting. And I love when you read the books, or in the show, too, how every now and then they'll actually include the phrase, a Game of Thrones, yes. in the books. And I was like, yes, you did it! <laughs> Title reference! <laughs> it makes me happy. Yes, I love it. Um, okay, so just to kind of let everyone get to know Elizabeth a little better, um, get to know kind of her preferences in Game of Thrones, we're going to play a very quick game of love, marry, kill off, Um with the Game of Thrones characters. As listeners and Elizabeth, you are welcome to interpret the word love as um, whatever way you like, but we're trying to keep it a little more refreshing and um, not as graphic as Game of Thrones usually is um, with our podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, So, yeah, what are your answers? Let's see. Well, I feel like this is obvious, but I would want to kill off Cersei. She is a great character overall as far as like storyline but she is so evil Mm -hmm. and I feel like with you know Joffrey I feel like he was influenced by her I feel like he couldn't have come up with all of these things in his own mind at the time and she totally knew what was going on and what she basically intended to do all the things that she did so I would kill her off so I I can't argue with that I know we're going backwards but that's fine (laughs) Mary See, there are so many great male characters really are. in this show. So I would I would probably marry Rob Stark. Oh, I forgot you had a thing for him. I mean, he was really attractive in the show. In the books, he's way too young for me. Everyone is. That's true. But I'm going with 
the pictures in my mind of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Which are much better than my images in the book. (laughs) But I would probably marry Rob Stark. Uh He does, you know, eventually die off. Spoiler Spoiler alert. But... He is so loving to his young wife. Yeah. And they have the beautiful wedding scene. And you can tell oh, he really loves her. And you just, it's just so tender. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would marry him. Now, love, okay. We all know. The only answer to this question. I mean, Jon Snow is great. <laughs> I do love him. I can't deny that. He's a great leader. Now, in the books, I've been reading the fourth book recently. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit more, like, tyrannical. Yeah. Than in the show oh, that I have known. Interesting. But I do love him. Jamie Lannister is actually pretty redeeming Shut to me. Up. He's pretty... That is not him I thought you were going to say. Who did you think I was going to say? The one and only, <laughs> Cal Drogo. True. We're getting True. into my answers. Why don't yeah. you talk about Jamie Lannister? And, you know, at the beginning, he is just so... Blah. Yeah. And then him and Cersei. You just want to oh. puke. Oh. But, and I think this is what I like about the series. They give you the good and the bad in all the characters. And so mm-hmm. you do get to see the redeeming qualities. And you do get to see, you know, how they evolve over time. Yeah. I think I would take a later in the show Jamie Lannister. Yes, Like definitely. after he goes off with Brienne and they kind of have a friendship mm-hmm. and he loses his hand. And then he realizes that his sister is a jerk. Which is why we're going to kill her off. Yeah. Because he's going to love me instead. Yeah. You have to make it all work. <laughs> all right. So for me, I think it's pretty obvious. We've already talked about it. Um, gosh, Cal Drogo. And so I think Jason Momoa as Cal Drogo in the books would be great. And then I've been thinking a lot about who I would marry. Because usually my answer is Jon Snow as well. But I really think I would go with Tyrion. Okay, that is not who I would have thought you would have said either. Yes, I, I thought you would have said Jon Snow. I know. Well, Jon Snow is adorable, but after a while, I just need him to stop moping around. And I think Tyrion is super fun. We could drink wine all the time and complain about Cersei. And he seems to be the one that's playing the game the best. And he's hilarious. That's a good point. My uh, feature husband, Rob Stark, plays it pretty badly. Yeah, whoops. Recipes. <laughs> Um, and then I would kill off um, Catelyn, that woman. Just, like, she reminds me of Cersei in a lot of ways in that, like, their redeeming qualities for a while are their children. And both go way off the deep end, but for some reason she annoys me so much more than Cersei. I'm just like, leave them alone. Let him fight his battle. Stop being so rude to John. You don't even know. All right, we got to keep going. It we gets better. We gotten to the good part. In this episode today, we are comparing a very specific moment with Daenerys Targaryen to a very specific moment in the Bible with Moses. Both of these characters um, are known for freeing slaves, and there's a moment in A Storm of Swords that I think really parallels with um, the story of Moses meeting with Pharaoh to then lead out um, the Israelites from slavery. So we are talking about Daenerys at the Battle of Yunkai. Ooh, good. Do we think that's how we say it? Probably. It's been a minute since I've watched this season. Okay, so up until this point uh, in the third book, A Storm of Swords, Daenerys is preparing for battle near Yunkai after the fall of Astapar. 
So Yunkai is the second greatest slaver city in their world, and at this point, Daenerys is also the commander of the Unsullied and the freedmen. So she freed them and then went to this place to try to free some more slaves. Before this battle, Daenerys meets with the slavers and the leaders of the sellswords to negotiate releasing the slaves without a fight. There are three negotiation points. She uses her wits, her power, and her dragons, of course, to try to convince them to give her the slaves instead of having this battle. Two of the leaders refuse, and the other takes the offer back to his group with a bottle of wine from Daenerys, who is meant to discuss if they will accept. While the slavers and leaders are asleep or drunk from the wine, way to go Daenerys, her army attacks. The three groups were either killed, um, some of the sellswords turned on each other, or they fled, leaving young Kai to surrender to Daenerys. She demands that all the slaves be freed and that they are given whatever wealth they can carry. She is then surrounded by freed slaves calling her Misa or Mother. So as you read this for the first time or watch this on the show, how impactful for that, how impactful for you was that moment? Um, and how important do you think it was to Daenerys um, just overall for her character and as her reign? So I actually remember more vividly watching that particular scene mm-hmm. just because the kind of the way they filmed it, you know, it's in the kind of desert, everything's dirt, everybody is of a shade of brown or neutral, and she has got this bright hair. Yeah. And light, light skin, and it's standing out, and the camera is panning out, and they're all shouting for her, and mm-hmm. she's in the middle. And it was such a happy moment. I remember, I, I'm pretty sure I cheered. I don't know. I, I would think, have. I think I'm I remember sure I, I stood up and, like, shouted hooray. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, <laughs> but I remember it being an exciting moment. Um, but I think for Daenerys, up until this point, I don't think she's ever really been appreciated as a person of value. I mm-hmm. think she was to Cal Drogo, but only R. really... R. Yeah, R.I.P. We but, love you. <laughs> but only really by him. Right. As... As a, like a lover or as a spouse. Yeah. But I think actually by a group of people that are theoretically forming her kingdom or her followers, I think this is where she really gets value in her own mind mm-hmm. that she is important. Because, you know, she keeps talking about they're calling me mother. She wants to, she wants to have a child, but she can't, mm-hmm. as you learned previously. Um, so I think this is just important for her giving herself worth and value. Yeah, I love that. And I think the book, the books touch a lot more on her inability to have children and how much she wanted that. It's kind of coming into play now in the later season on the TV show. But yeah, I definitely think you hit home with that. This was a huge moment for her. Um, But so the main point of this show is there's kind of three things that I have noticed and want to kind of just finish talking about with Daenerys and Moses. Um, So the first thing has to do with names. Um, There's a specific moment in Exodus in the Bible when Moses goes to Pharaoh to tell him that God has declared God's people will be free. And Moses didn't battle for the freeing slaves in multiple lands, the freeing of slaves in multiple lands like Daenerys. 
but he did free his people who had been slaves to the Egyptians for years. Um, Both are remembered, I think, by similar titles. Moses is usually um, remembered that he freed the Israelites, and one of Daenerys's titles in her very long list is Breaker of Chains. Um, There's also a moment in Exodus where... um, God comes to Moses in a burning bush and tells him to free the slaves. And Moses says, well, who will I say send me? And God says, tell them I am sent me. And so that I am is Yahweh. And it is the most sacred Hebrew word for God. And so it's this big moment where God is kind of saying, just go to Pharaoh and say my name and and tell him that I sent you, and my name will mean so much to him. Um, In the same sense, obviously lesser, um, there's a moment in her negotiations where Daenerys is called woman, um, kind of a slam to her by one one of the slave traders, and she says something to the effect of, do you think calling me woman will offend me? And goes Go in, women. I know. And goes into um, telling her title, which at this point, Elizabeth, um, what is her title? And can you just quickly go through what all of them mean? We have a lot, and we're only in the third book. Her title continues to grow throughout the season, but what is it right now? Okay, so I'll read the whole title, and then we can break it down a little okay. bit. So her full title up until this point is Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, the Unburnt, Mother of Dragons, Khaleesi, Two Drogos Riders, and Queen of the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. So, obviously Daenerys is her name. Stormborn um, indicates that she was born on a stormy night, mm-hmm. which kind of f- it fulfills a prophecy that um, was told to... I don't remember who was given the prophecy or anything like that, but it fulfills a prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, House Targaryen, so those are her ancestors who actually were rulers of the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros before they were killed. Yep. Too bad. Those Lannisters, they're just... Well, and her dad went crazy. That's true. He was the Mad King. But anyway, House Targaryen. Um, the Unburnt, so she is unable to perish... By flame. Yes. And so there are a few examples in the show and um, in the books of her, you know, lighting things on fire, walking into fire. (laughs) She doesn't get burnt. So people think that she is of a higher level than they are, which honestly, if someone wasn't able to get touched by flame, I would put them at a higher level than myself. Yeah, they should be up there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mother of dragons. Well, she has three dragons. So that kind of explains that. And dragons are a rarity. They're supposedly, according to everybody else but her and her followers, <laughs> think they have all died out. But they are wrong. Surprise! Surprise. Um, Khaleesi, that's the um, word in Dothraki, R.I.P. Cal Drogo, <laughs> for queen. What's that, man? Khaleesi um, is the name or equivalent to queen. So she, even though he is perished... She had earned the respect at that point by his mm-hmm. other, his riders and his followers to still be considered their queen. And, you know, her followers believe that she is the queen of the seven kingdoms of Westeros. First, we're going to talk about um, 
the signs that Daenerys and Moses both show the people that are questioning them. Um, so in Exodus 7, 8 through 13, we see that Moses' brother Aaron throws his staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. Y'all, I'm not making this up. It's really in there. Ready? Here, I'm going to read it. So Moses and Aaron went into, Fa- went into Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Casual. But then Pharaoh called the wise men and sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, and they also did the same thing by their occult practices. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a serpent. But Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs. However, Pharaoh's heart hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. I'm just letting you know, I never learned that in Sunday school. No, I didn't either. And really, I this is something I just thought of right now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how, you know, God is God and has all these abilities and powers to change sticks mm-hmm. into snakes. But it's interesting how they talk about how these other priests, these false priests, or serpents yeah, of the occult of the occult are able to do the same thing that's the part i never learned in so Sunday that's school. how you get the doubters in there and you're thinking well if they can do it how do why do we do believe that? in god how'd they do that i don't know we weren't there we don't know but that's crazy circling back though <laughs> so because the sorcerers could do the same pharaoh continued to not allow moses um to free his slaves in Storm of Swords, Daenerys called her dragons um, on one of the men, and he angrily left and refused to surrender. So at this point, the dragons are pretty small. They're like medium dog size. I, I feel like they're more there for show. Like, look at my intimidating yes, dragons, but they're and they're s- amazing, but they can't do a whole lot of damage at this point. Yes, they're still the only dragons around. And I think one of them kind of like blows fire on his coat or something. Just kind of. I mean, it's still pretty scary. So we both have these two kind of big moments where these two crazy signs happen, and both of the guys... Um, might be phased by them, but but nothing really comes of them. That's not what ultimately leads to the, the freeing of the slaves. Then the final comparison is the actual act of freeing the slaves. Um, after the plagues and the Passover and Exodus, Pharaoh sets the Israelites free. So there are all these crazy plagues of frogs everywhere and river turns to blood and locusts and... Um, it's dark all day, like really crazy. It's all there in Exodus. Yeah, it's, it really Just, it happened. Yeah. It's there. All this crazy stuff happens, and so finally Pharaoh is like, "All right, I get it. You guys need to go." <laughs> um, and after the significant losses of her enemies, uh, Young Kai surrenders to Daenerys, and the slaves are all freed. Um, also, what's significant about both of these stories, uh, at this point, instead of going to rest- Westeros, Daenerys makes kind of a huge, what I felt like was unseen decision to stay in rural marine. Moses, on the other hand, um, wanders in the wilderness with the Israelites for 40 years before entering the Promised Land. So both leaders who did this amazing act of freeing the slaves put off what was supposed to happen one 
woman did it to, I think, practice ruling and go freeing other slaves. And Moses did it because they messed up a few times and they had to wander around till they got it right. But both of them kind of don't immediately go where you think they're going to go after this act happens. That's true. They kind of put it off. Yeah. In their mind. I don't know. It's interesting. I think Daenerys maybe wants to, I don't know, practice like you were saying, mm-hmm. or she's just relishing the fact that these people are following her and she. this is a positive time in her life and she doesn't want to have to go into battle yet. Yeah. She hasn't had any positive times in her life. Maybe. Maybe she needed it. Maybe. She, and I don't know. Moses going into the wilderness, I don't know. Maybe he was kind of also reveling in the moment of having freed slaves. But the word wandering, I feel like, is very key here. Yeah, I don't think any of them really wanted yeah. <laughs> to be there. And they were there for very specific reasons. Um, and it was kind of declared by God that they would be wandering. Um, but I do think it's because they they weren't ready or they weren't really appreciative of all the acts that God did. Mm-hmm. So as an expert on Game of Thrones, Elizabeth, mm-hmm. do you see any connections with any of the things that I presented? Do you think I'm just crazy and making stuff up? Does any of it relate or make sense to you? Um, I think it makes sense because, or there are lots of similarities between Daenerys and Moses, I think. The freeing of the slaves, obviously, which is the topic of this comparison anyway. But I think also um, learning how to be a leader. Moses really was never a leader until this point, until God came to him Mm -hmm. in the burning bush and said, you are going to go and free these slaves and you're going to follow me and you're going to lead them to this promised land. And Daenerys kind of comes into the idea that, oh, I am the true queen of Westeros. It was not my brother. It is going to be me, and so I'm going to be a leader. And I think the stories of them, you know, building up their followers and then becoming leaders as characters where they weren't necessarily leaders in their own right before. Before these major events happened. Mm -hmm. Before God came. Before, you know, Khal Drogo died and the writers were still calling her queen, <laughs> yeah. so I think she got a taste of that. Um, let's see. I do. I think the titles, the name, is really interesting comparison that I didn't think about before. These enemies are th- thinking that they're insulting her. Yeah. Really, she says, you know, I, and really in the show, a lot of the female characters kind of come into that. Mm-hmm. Where they all come into their they own. They come into their own, and you know, they're proud of them being women. Um, and I mean, Moses. I mean, he's a man in the Bible. He's going to be proud of himself. But, <laughs> but, Boom. we're being proud to follow God and speak his name. Yes. So, and it's a big name to be speaking. Yeah, especially during this period when they're not really following any God per se, they're following the many gods of yes. Egypt. So, I'm. I'm trying to think of ways that they don't connect. And it's kind of hard to come up with some ways that they really don't connect. Mm-hmm. Well, there was... I was trying to think there was a way that you compared... That you could compare Daenerys to almost like a Christ figure. Like, you could even oh. go... You could even take that a step Stand higher. Us. And say that, you know, 
she is, people are following her yeah. and she's preaching, preaching, I'm quotation marking, whatever, quoting, <laughs> um, for the listeners. Yeah, air quotes yeah. don't really show up in podcasts. <laughs> um, she's, you know, preaching this new and radical message. Right. She's freeing slaves. She's taking the underdog or the lowest of the low yes. and bringing them up to a, more of an equal level. And she's going to lead them into this new way. So that just totally eliminates Moses and brings in Jesus. But Whoops. I like that. That's a very interesting perspective. I think that is cool. And then if you compare her back to Jesus, he takes the slavers, the tax collectors, all the low lives of the world mm-hmm. and brings them up and frees them per se yes. of this guilt and shame and lets them know that they are valued. Yes. I love it. All right. So call me an expert. You are. And I think that anybody is going to be, especially if you think about, you know, people in history, Abraham Lincoln, um, Martin Luther King Jr., who, he didn't free slaves, but he fought for equality for all. Yeah. And I think people are remembered for something that steps out of the norm. Mm -hmm. And I think both Daenerys and Moses have stepped out of the norm of society to make change. So I think that's why they're remembered for that. Well, thank you for all of your wonderful insights as our Game of Thrones expert. Um, Do you have any final words for uh, our listeners before before we end the podcast today? Well, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you should, I encourage you to watch the show or read the books or both. Um, Be warned, graphic, but... If we can make it through. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll get over it. The characters will be so captivating, you'll just keep wanting to watch. And you should read the Bible, too. I feel like that's important. You don't have to read it alongside Game of Thrones, <laughs> but... I think that's a great point. Just, you know, have some spiritual grounding. And whatever that may be is always good. <laughs> that's a great point. I love it. Thank you um, for being on the podcast today. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. And thank you, everyone, um, for tuning in. Thanks for having me. Thanks, you all, for checking out this episode of Pop Culture Profit. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at either Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud at Pop Culture Profit. And please rate and review the podcast as well. I only have one review and I would really like to have a few more. Um, You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, both at Pop Culture Profit. If you have any questions, if you hated this, if you loved it, whatever you think, I'd love to engage with you and talk with you more. So I hope you stick around and check out the next episode. Bye!